something to say. Hello everyone, how are you doing today? Welcome to this episode of Project Shadow, my name's Charlie, you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, especially if you're reading my new book, Crucify My Love, which is available on Amazon Kindle, as a paperback, and as a podcast called Mask of the Gods, which is the name of the series, where you can find wherever you're listening to me now. Or at least you should. If you can't, let me know, because it should be everywhere, and I need to fix that. And I'm not alone today. I'm here. Yeah, Brian's here. You know what that means. Um, it's me. We're probably talking about Star Wars. Yeah. I talk about other things, but <laughs> uh, mostly Star Wars. It's your lady jam. Yeah. Okay, so I should have done this earlier because on the 16th, we had the 20th anniversary. Wow. That just Let's just take a moment. Just... Sorry, the 20th anniversary of the release of Star Wars The Phantom Menace, Episode 1, and it does not feel like that was 20 years ago. One might even say it was a long, long time ago in a state far, far away. Because it was. It was, actually. Because we actually watched it in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, wasn't that Maryland? No, it was in Pennsylvania. No, it was in Pennsylvania. But we'll get into that in a moment. So... I, I feel like I shouldn't have to say this, but I want to say this right from the start. There will be spoilers for Star Wars Episode One: A Phantom Menace. And I'm not even going to do a countdown. It's been 20 years, y'all. And if you've been on the internet at all, the memes have spoiled it already. So before we get into that, if you haven't already... Yeah, Darth Maul doesn't die! Spoiled! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think uh, the Solo movie beat us to spoiling that one. Anywho, before we get started, if you haven't already rated this podcast in whatever app you're listening to me on, please do so. That helps me out oh so much. It tells the algorithm to share the podcast with more people and more people, more problems. But also the bigger the community and the more people we can talk about this stuff with. And that that's awesome. So please, please. And thank you to everybody who's already done that. And if this is your first episode, go ahead and subscribe. That'd be awesome. Just, just subscribe. Do it. Do it. Be one of us. So 20 years ago, 20 years ago, we were just about to, oh my goodness. We're still in Maryland. Yeah. That just seems. Yeah, that was before the move. That's back when I can go. 1999. I was wondering how many states I had been to at that point in time, and I think it's in the teens. Something like that. I hadn't even been to half the country yet. We were just about to move to California with bright eyes and bushy tails. We'd only been married for a couple years. And before we left, we went up to visit my sister and we took my niece, who, wow, was a child back then, out to see Star Wars Phantom Menace, because that's what she wanted to see. And of course, we were big Star Wars fans at the time, and we wanted to go see it too. That's because when you raise them right and you go, what movie you want to watch? They're like, forget all those cartoons, Star Wars. You know she was raised <laughs> right because she can. she's yeah. not only seen, she can quote almost every season of Supernatural. Yeah, that too. That, that, that's a child that, and, and Buffy. And Buffy. And all the, all the greats. Yeah. Star, Star Wars, Star Trek, all that. Yeah. 
we we all did a good job raising that child. I I I have child to say, fandom. <laughs> yes, very much so. I have to say that one of the things that's always fascinated me about episode one is how opinion has changed over the years. I think that's really the only constant thing because I remember when it came out, there were probably a few people who didn't like it, but a lot of the early reviews that I remember reading and most of the people that I knew that had gone to see it liked the movie. And within maybe three to five years, like just before attack of the clones came out, they were done. It was over. Yeah, it was like, suddenly it was cool to hate it. And everybody hated it. And now, which one of us was that me? That was me. Um, what? He forgot to turn the phone off. Um, what? That's a thing? That's a thing. So yeah, that that's a, and now people are, are kind of reappraising it and realizing that it's no worse than any of the other films in so many ways. Like, I know people want to go after Jar Jar, and I'm not litigating Jar Jar on this show, this episode. If you all want, we will literally put Jar Jar Binks on trial, and I can tell you right now, he will be acquitted. Because as long as there is a C-3PO in the universe, Jar Jar Binks is not the most annoying character that has ever been in Star Wars. Have you seen my red arm? You probably didn't recognize me because of my red arm. I have a red arm now. Did you see my red arm? My arm is red. For those of the prosecution, you control him through Ewoks, <laughs> which is another way of proving that like Jar Jar isn't that annoying. Yeah, because then you have the Ewoks. You have the Ewoks, and we all love the Ewoks, but that's because we were little kids and we saw it, and the Ewoks were awesome. No, okay. no, let's Correct. be honest. I love the Ewoks because I was a little kid. I love and the Ewoks because of that traps. stupid movie with the Gorax. The Gorax oh, yeah. was creepy, and I Gorax loved the Gorax awesome. and that horrible crystal spider thing. Uh huh. That's the only thing that made me ever like the Ewoks. Yep. Because Ewoks are evil little half-wookies that never should have been. Yep. That's how I stood up to New Year's Eve one year. We were watching that. <laughs> it wasn't that I was staying up to make it to New Year's Eve. No, I was a little kid. We were watching Ewok movies. And mm. it happened to make it past New Year's Eve because of that. And then I was running around screaming Gorax. And the parents didn't understand exactly what was going on. They just were like, he got into the sugar, apparently. <laughs> he's still up. He's running around. He's screaming about Gorax. Isn't this supposed to be Happy New Year? Eh, no. Gorax. <laughs> Gorax was freaky, man. Yeah. But that's for the Ewok Adventures episode. We were talking about the Phantom Menace. And I have to say, like to me, some of the best things about Star Wars came from the Phantom Menace. And started there. No matter what you think about Jar Jar. First of all... Perennial August, playing Shmi Skywalker, is the greatest mother in sci-fi, and I'm going to stand by that because all of the other ones are dead before the stories get started. Or they're Jessica, and they're conniving little... I can't say the word because we have a clean tag, who are just trying to take over a poor Fremen outpost so her she and her son can't live and accidentally starting a galactic war... That will end with her grandson becoming the god emperor in all kinds of mayhem. Sorry. I believe it's Tuesday, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, I'm just saying, like, she is a great mother character. And they, yeah. those are so rare in sci-fi because 
let's face it, the, the holy, you know, the holy orphan trap is real in Star Wars. That trope is everywhere. Not well, just in sci-fi in general. I mean, name the mother of any great sci-fi hero. I mean, with the exception of Loaxana Troy, who I don't count her because Deanna, while she got some spotlight episodes, isn't like the main character of the next generation because they were smart and didn't have one. And the Picard series scares me. But you know, they, we we don't get good moms. Yeah, we didn't even meet Jeffrey Sinclair's mom. No. No, I mean, we we don't really get a lot of mother characters. And I think that, that something needs to be pointed out about that. That we not only meet her, but that given the circumstances of her life and the character that they gave her, she is sympathetic, she wants what's best for her child, and she does what she has to do to survive. That, you know, without becoming Jessica and starting it in... A whole thing. Being the accidental mother of Darth Vader is much more the Jedi's fault than Shmi Skywalker's. Yeah. Because the Jedi have problems. And that's the other thing that I love about this. The Jedi are not the good guys. Yeah. Yeah, this starts out pointing at the issues behind the Jedi and why someone like Palpatine could rise to power and take over everything and how easily he could do it. And it's like, this is why, because they're, they were arrogant. They were blinded by that. And, and so uncaring, just and the so apathy. Uncaring. Yeah. They were, they were disconnected. And, I mean, when Qui-Gon says, you know, <clears throat> honestly, we didn't come here to free slaves. I'm like, you're a freaking Jedi, man. Yeah, you're supposed to write injustices. There's an injustice right in front of you. And, and you just couldn't care because it's not in your current mandate. Yeah. Really? Like, I mean, that's like one of the best signs of some of the pro- early problems with the Jedi Order that come to fruition throughout the prequel trilogy is just the sheer apathy. And you see this also with Obi-Wan when he finds out that they're going to take Anakin with them. And he says, and I quote, I guess that means we're picking up another worthless life form. Well, even before that, you get the, Moi, Moi, I speak. And you got the, just because you can speak does not mean you're intelligent. You know, it's like, dude, that's that's pretty harsh. You know? <laughs> the Jedi were the drag queens of the galaxy far, far away. <laughs> I'm serious, man. Nobody can cut somebody like a Jedi. Look at Yoda. Look at Mace Windu. I mean, Mace Windu is just like serving fierce burns in almost every sentence he says. Yeah. Like, he just needs a little eyeliner, some contouring, and a wig. I mean, just watch him in <laughs> Boss Noss. I mean... <laughs> Boss Noss is the ultimate drag queen. Yeah, but they're, they're back and forth. They were in a library. <laughs> oh, the reading room was the, open. The reading room was open. The, okay, so to talk about something, uh, I don't know, maybe petty or small, but it, it just really had a major impact on me, or the biggest impact, was actually the grass. <laughs> I know it's a funny thing to be like, oh, no, I lived through this, this entire movie, like, grass. But when this came out, this was like supposed to be a front-runner, cutting-edge 
you know, technology and, and change the look of movies. And, and it did. And there was so much stuff that looked so amazing. But the like, grass looked fake. Like all George Lucas movies, it was and pushing the technology. Yeah. It was. It was pushing. Everything looked so amazing. But I couldn't get over how fake and bad the grass looked. And, like, it really bothered me. And, it really did. And it really did. He it, it, Like, he didn't a, rant about anything in that movie except for the grass. Except for the grass. I loved everything else. You know, big hugs for Jar Jar, big hugs for Darth Maul, you know. Oh, I love big, Darth Maul. Big hugs for Kitty Anakin. I mean, big hugs for all yippee. of it. But, yeah, even the yippee. But the freaking grass. And, you know, like, at that point in time... I'd been all over the East Coast. I'd been all over, you know, been through, you know, been to Tennessee, been to Kentucky, Missouri, Oklahoma, Texas. Uh, you know, I skipped Arkansas at that point in time. Because you were um, lucky and fortunate and the gods yeah. loved you. Arizona. I'd been around a lot of the country. Never saw grass like that until we moved to California. And the, We went down to Hayward. We, we went down to Hayward. It was, it was... Uh, I guess winter there and we got to see the grass because winter there is just like in the Bay area. It's a lot of rain, like three months of rain and then it stops and you're in Naboo. Everything is that green. Everything is that green. The, the grass. So, so then like, of course, several years later I had to go, I get it now. The animators were all from around here. They think this is what grass looks like. Most of the mm-hmm. country, it does not look like that. Oh, that is so the but hills between is, Oakland and Dublin? Yeah, the hills of the Bay Area. If, if you've never been and you wonder in in end of winter going into spring, that is what the grass looks like out yep. there. It is, it is so spectacularly realistic looking for such a specific region of the country. It is so vividly green, you feel like you're in a CGI environment. Yeah, you yeah. do. You feel like you're like, you're like, Man, how do they do green screen out here at this? Like, it's like green, green screen, but it's just naturally grass. It's, it's crazy. It is. And so, yeah, that was like, I know it's weird that grass is one of the. No, because that's one of the things that bothered but, me a lot when I saw it too, because everything else, like you think about the swamps and how well the swamps were color balanced and really yeah. looked like what you expected a swamp to be like, or the cityscapes and dot, dot, dot. And then you get. To the grass. Yeah, to the grass. And the grass was so vibrantly green. In Naboo, and it was like, what? Yeah. What are you thinking? And no, the, it was, it was, yeah. Then you go to California and you realize, wow, the grass really is greener on the other side. Who knew? That's just, wow. Yeah. So the biggest thing to me that came out of the Phantom Menace, other than the grass, was Darth Maul. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And I think the one villain in a movie I was ever upset to see, quote unquote, die was Darth Maul. Because we only got to see him in the shadows. We barely, I mean, he had, what, like two, maybe three lines of dialogue in the entire movie. And then that amazing fight to that amazing score. I mean, no matter what you think, I am, you have to be happy that the Phantom Menace exists just so duel of the fates exists yeah because that piece of music would not exist without this movie oh and it's so good don't get don't get us copyrighted (laughs) okay i won't sing it (laughs) but yeah it's one of the you know 
he it was so upsetting when he was just gone. And because I was wanting him to be the, the Darth Vader of the prequel trilogy. Like, yeah, he's the guy that we're going to be seeing out and in front and dot, dot, dot. Mm. And, he was, and he shows up with a double bladed lightsaber. Oh. And, and it's like, oh, man, you know, this is we haven't seen anything like this at all. And we see him and, able to take on two Jedi at once. Yeah. And the makeup that they did was so cool. And, and this is he also like even with the two Jedi at once, he did it not because he was just all overpowering either. He was crafty about it. He was clever about yes. it. He utilizes the shields to separate them because when yep. he first confronted them both, he thought he could take them both, but he, it was some give and take, and he may or may not be able to win that fight. And so he just tricks him into separating them, and then being you know gets him alone and gets takes him out and well i know some reviewers were very confused that he showed up in solo because they don't take the time to go to even wikipedia and look up his character they were i'm sorry this was the look of shock on my face (laughs) i'm gonna go back to the simpsons do your homework kent yeah oh my goodness because look it up on wikipedia at least when they brought him back on the clone wars and i think they did a very good explanation of how he came back because he's not just like this OP monster. He was fueled by hate and rage that kept him from dying. He cobbled together a mechanical lower half, spider-like lower half, and went mad. And, oh my goodness, um, yeah. Savage Oppressed had to basically beat the crap out of him, knock him out, take him back to the Night Sisters, who had to use force magic. To bring him back to his senses. Yeah. And oh my goodness. Like I'm so glad George did that. I am so glad yeah, George did that. You because get, You get that all throughout the, the Clone Wars. Uh, you know he. I'm so glad and they Rebels. brought him back. And Rebels. And when he comes and back his, in Rebels. Yeah all the way up to the very end in Rebels. And oh my goodness. Like Darth Maul is probably one of my favorite villains. Like I go back and forth over who my actual favorite villain of star wars is and that's because i read the comics i read the um legends books as we're supposed to call them now and so i tend to actually think xr coon is maybe my absolute favorite villain of all time xr coon is up there xr coon is just amazing he's amazing and in was it i jedi when he um possessed corn horn and almost destroyed the jedi temple yeah and stuff i mean oh xr coon if you have no idea who XR Kun is, go to Wikipedia, the Legends page, find the list of appearances, get them, read them, fall in love. But I'd have to put Darth Maul up there. Like Darth Maul is definitely up you know, there. Palpatine's cool, and his his whole like thing because, like, like I said, we get we get this beautiful introduction in Phantom Menace, and that's so Darth Maul too that you think he's finished off. I mean, he's cut in half. You think he's done. And it's like, he's not done. He's not done. He's only just begun. And then, you know, once they get his Sandy back, he goes after Palpatine. Yes. You know, he he's like, no, I'm going after the main guy. And, and almost brings him almost down. Almost brings him down. Almost like, wins. He becomes the leader of Mandalore. He becomes the Mandalore, you know, for a little while and until Palpatine comes after him. 
because he's messing with Palpatine's plans. Like he, it's he becomes such a great Sithy person. And because, he's such an empathetic character because that to yeah. me is the biggest problem with Darth Vader. Don't get me wrong, I love me some Darth Vader. Yeah, but the biggest problem with Darth Vader is he's unrelatable because he's in the suit you don't get emotion from him. Like in the movies, you don't get the emotion because it's, it's, it's yeah. a lot of it is eaten up by the respirator and the voice. Yeah. No, I laugh because uh, the many faces of Vader shirt that I have, <laughs> which is basically the same picture of Vader over and over again, except for it says happy Vader, sad Vader, laughing Vader. And it's the same static picture with yeah. all the different emotions listed. It's pretty funny. But, but yeah, you don't really get that from Vader. And even the comics and the books where you get to actually spend time in his mind, like, uh, um, was it Alliances, the last book with him and Thrawn? Mm. And you actually got a yeah. lot of really good POV chapters from Vader's perspective. And uh, Dark Lord of the Sith, um, Lords of the Sith, where you also yeah. got some good chapters from Vader's perspective. He's so unrelatable because he is a creature of hate. I mean, he's just pure hate. When he thought he killed Padme, when he thought that the Jedi had betrayed him, when that, that hatred is the only thing that kept him from dying on Mustafar. And it's the only thing that keeps him forward. And so he doesn't have a lot of nuance to his character. Darth Maul, on the other hand, has all the emotions and, He's happy, he's sad, he has a wicked sense of humor. And, yeah, I it just... Yeah, because... I love him so much. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, like, when he's after, um... Uh, the, when he's after his pupil, you know? Like, even then, he's, he's a little mad, but he's happy, and he wants a pupil, and he actually wants to do good by him, but the, uh, you know... His Sithy ways his get Sithy in the way. His madness. <laughs> and I have to say, my love for Darth Maul really made it hard to watch Supergirl this season. Because I'm, I'm blanking on the character's name, but uh, what's his name? Like Agent Justice or whatever. The villain. Oh, yeah. The villain for this season is played by the voice actor who did Darth Maul from Rebels. Uh, I'm sorry, from Clone Wars on. And in fact, that's even his voice in um, the uh, solo movie Mm. because Ray Parker came back. The actor who played him in the live action um, Phantom Menace came back to play him and they dubbed over his voice with the other. So they both got to be to play him again. Yeah. And he said it was really funny because they brought him in to read the script and he read the script. Ray Parker apparently on the set didn't like the script and ad-libbed and what the, he did, they liked so much better. So they had to bring the other guy back into the booth to re-record the audio to loop over it again. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, wow. Cause they told him they weren't going to be using his voice. So he didn't yeah. get into voice. So they couldn't just use the raw take, yeah. you know, he just got into character and did his thing. But yeah, Darth Vader, Darth Vader is a great character. But Maul, oh yeah, Maul is so so much more to me, and we wouldn't have had we wouldn't have had him without the Phantom Menace, you know. Yeah. And we, to be honest, we wouldn't have had Mother Talzin because the images of Mother Talzin from the Clone Wars those were the original character sketches for Darth Darth Maul that they didn't use, and then they recycled into Mother Talzin. So if you thought Mother Talzin looked awesome. 
that's the Phantom Menace. That was artwork originally commissioned for the Phantom Menace that yeah. wasn't used. That was an alternate Darth Maul. And I'm glad it got used because it was beautiful art. And Mother Talzin, man, yeah. is a great character. And the fact that they made her his mother. Mm-hmm. And so there's that like back and forth that the concept art for both we're, we're for both characters now one's the mother of the other i just i love that symmetry i, I like real world symmetry like that. that that makes me very happy you know there's so much that we can say about this film and about what it did but say hi to jinx kitty's here you know she likes to be on the podcast sometimes um but Honestly, I don't think we would have had the renaissance that we've had in sci-fi without The Phantom Menace. There are a lot of people that want to, you know, poo-poo the movie and want to really attack the prequel series. But what they don't realize is, for a lot of people, that was their first Star Wars. A lot of people were introduced to Star Wars through The Phantom Menace and through the prequels and grew up with that being their primary Star Wars. And, you know, the fact that this story got continued through the Clone Wars um, animated series and then into Rebels, this is the entry point for a lot of people and made a lot of people into space, get into space opera and this type of science fiction that never would have been exposed to it if it hadn't happened. Nobody else was making movies like that. And... You know, we I, I I will go so far as to say, if they hadn't come out, we wouldn't have gotten the MCU, at least not like we did. Because George Lucas was able to prove with that trilogy that you could spend a lot of money. And he spent a lot of money making those movies that were primarily special effects based, that told an intricate interwoven story and make billions of dollars. Yeah. And, you know, whatever you think about it, I mean, it really did shape the industry. We wouldn't have gotten Avatar. Nobody would have invested the money into James Cameron to make Avatar if they hadn't seen all the money being raked in on Star Wars. And remember, George Lucas took the rights back for for the prequels. They weren't made with um, 20, 20th Century Fox. Fox wanted its own Star Wars. Yeah. And thus... We get Avatar, which may one day get a sequel. Maybe. I'll believe it when I see it. They keep pushing it off. Also, without Phantom Menace, one of the most fun battlefront arenas wouldn't be. That's the Naboo one. He's talking about the old school battlefront, not the new one. Yeah, not the new one. Old school battlefront. OG. I'm OG. Yeah, the Naboo Battlefront. Was yeah, the Na- sweet. Yes, it really was. It was a lot of fun. And we wouldn't have gotten some of the crappiest video games ever made, but that were yeah. better than Star Wars Terrace Kasi, which I have to say we need to do an entire episode on sometime because every time I bring it up, people are like, oh, people are like, they did what? Yeah, they'd made a Star Wars fighting game. Yeah. They actually did that. That was the thing. Yeah. <laughs> And let's be honest. It was no Mortal Kombat. <laughs> it was no Mortal Kombat. But let's be honest. 
if if you need any reason to love the f- prequels and Phantom Menace, the Lego prequel saga is pro- of the all of the Star Wars, the Lego Star Wars games, and oh, trust me, I love me some Lego Star Wars. The prequel games were <laughs> so much fun because they were kind of already in that silly land that Lego likes to play with anyway. But, you know, I... You were going to say something? Oh, I'm going to be a bit of a, a nugget. But okay. Okay, if you haven't seen the recent season of Game of Thrones, you may want to tune out for a minute. But without Phantom Menace, you wouldn't have had the droid army trope that got done so often and we might have been spared Winterfell. Okay, maybe it's not a good... <laughs> No, no, somebody would have done. No, it would have, yeah, it's that, that was a trope before that because that's the yeah. that's the Death Star thing. It's just a different, yeah, different time, different version you, of the you Death take Star. Take out the one, the one thing in the entire droid army yeah. collapses. Yeah, and it was something that we knew Battle Winterfell was going to devolve to. Yeah, and sure enough, it did. Yeah. Uh, so blame Phantom? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that's definitely no. not the Phantom. No, because actually, fault. you pointed out though it was funny because in our discussion of that. You know, he pointed out that the thing is, though, is Lucas and Phantom Menace understood that because of that trope, the only parts that were essential to follow were really, and the, not to follow, but when uh, the deaths on the, the hero side were pointless, except for like the pilots, which is why in Phantom Menace, you don't really see all the Gungans that died on the battlefield and stuff. And because it was an important stalling action, they had to fight it. But the, all those deaths were kind of pointless because it was a stalling action. And that's the thing is the, the Gungans knew. So that's why they used the shields to uh-huh. force them in close to hand to hand. So the droids couldn't just shoot them to death at range. They, they were smarter about it. Yep. And, it was it was about the pilots and the and the tension in space, um, and that's why Phantom Menace is the greatest movie ever. <laughs> Not really, but it's, it's still a good. No, <laughs> it's still good. Anyway, we hope you enjoyed this kind of walk down memory lane. If you want us to do this for the other movies or something, let me know. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, I kind of want us to get together and do a series on Crimson Empire, which is something I want brought back Ooh, into canon. Yeah. At least the first glorious. one and then let it go off on its own way. Kirkanos needs to return. Until then, if you haven't already, please rate this episode. It does help me out a lot. If you've got a buck you can throw my way in the show notes, you'll see a link to community support. You can join the project at the one, five or ten dollar levels. Helps a lot. Please do that if you can. If you can't, trust me, I understand not having money. That's kind of my thing. But you can share the podcast with others. That helps out a lot, too. Don't forget, if you have any messages you would like to send my way in the show notes, you'll see a link that says voice messages. Click it, record it, send it to me. Keep it clean so I can use it on the show. Or... Maybe take a vote and decide that you don't want me to make the continue making the show clean. It's a clean show because a lot of people told me they listen to it at their desk at work and or with their kids. So that's why I fight so hard to keep it clean. So please keep the messages clean. Let's send them in so I can use them on the show. You can follow me. I'm C.E. Dorset on Twitter and Instagram. 
trying to do that Instagram thing, not very good at it, come over there and make fun of me. That'd be awesome. You can find links to those and everything else that I do over at projectshadow.com. Anything else you want to say before we leave? Flying is fun! There you go. Until next time, (laughs) I'm Charlie. I'm Brian. And don't forget to have the fun.